Welcome to the Influent Podcast, developing leadership, building success, and influencing society. For more resources, visit us online at influent.life. Influent Podcast again for this week, and I'm here with JC Cancellari. JC Cancellari. Mm-hmm. So welcome, JC. Thank so, who are you? Who am I? Yeah, I'm part of this, as you put it, burgeoning <laughs> 242 group yeah. and a transplant from the East Coast. Yeah, an attorney. Ah, uh, yes, business lawyer. Business mm-hmm. lawyer, and and just just tell us a little bit about the the group that you were part of out there of the young young uh, entrepreneurs and yeah. Yeah, that was an awesome group. It, we started it about five years ago. It was really an accident. We started it uh, intending to think that we were going to serve the millennials by doing uh-huh. uh, resume building. Anyway, it became a community of more than 300 when I left Richmond. About uh, a year and a half. Of what? 300 millennials. Marketplace folks. That's scary. It is. Yeah. It was awesome. It's, yeah. still, it's still still going on, despite Lisa and I. And what was, the, what was the focus? Uh, the focus is how to be, how to, uh, it wasn't so much on how to s- create a business, but it was being effective in the marketplace, mostly as employees, sometimes in entrepreneurs, but it was really walking out your faith and how to do that in the marketplace. That is awesome. Walking out your faith mm-hmm. in the marketplace. Mm-hmm. Wow. Well, that's, uh, that's a fantastic topic. It is. It sustained that and continues to sustain it. So JC is a wealth of, of just knowledge and uh, joy yeah joy joy and Welcome so joy. so we are uh, we are just tapping into jc this week and probably many many more times to come i like you bob <laughs> good yeah that's that's uh, that's my goal so this week i want to talk about deuteronomy 818 it's interesting how many times 818 has just been popping up on my radar and uh and it's deuteronomy 818 and here's here's the verse of your Bible. Open this up. I just love the Bible. Okay. And you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the power to create wealth, that he might establish the covenant which he swore to your fathers. So so God is is the one who gives you the power to create wealth. So God is the giver, but what is he the giver of? He's the giver of power to create wealth. So who is doing who's doing the creating? Who's doing the creating? We are. We are. We are doing the creating. We are creating wealth. I mean, this is this is a very radical thought, right? Most of the people think, oh, I'm gonna pray, God's gonna bless me. But he's not saying that. And it's 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 not even saying he's gonna bless us with wealth. He's going to bless us with power to create wealth. So the creative is coming to us. The creative is our responsibility. He's going to give to us the power to create wealth. And so now this is so interesting because Deuteronomy 8.18, Deuteronomy 8, of course, is the speech that he gave as they're getting ready to enter the promised land. Right? Now this speech, as they went into the promised land, another profound thing happened regarding the manna. Right? What happened to the manna as they entered the promised land? It stopped. stopped. The manna stopped. So the manna ceased. So manna was this miracle daily provision. It was a miracle, supernatural miracle, right? Daily provision. 
And so that ceased, and it says the day the land produced, the, the manna ceased. And so, so the land producing is God giving us the power to create wealth. So Genesis 1, 1.29 says this. He says, the very beginning, he created earth, and he, he says, I'll give to you, man, every seed under the, under the heaven for food. So think about the system, the, the agricultural system. So if you have a bushel of wheat, you clear the ground, you plant a bushel of wheat, you wait a year and you reap 100 bushels of wheat, which is possible. Okay, a hundredfold harvest is actually possible. I've talked to farmers, they said that's normal. You have 100, 100 bushels after year one, right? If you take those 100 bushels and you plant those, and the next year each one of those produces 100, and you do that for seven years, do you know how many bushels of wheat you will have? Seven years. JC, you good at math? I am good at math, but I don't know the answer. 100 to the seventh? <laughs> 10 trillion. 10 trillion bushels, 10 trillion in seven years, my friends. Now that's the system. That's the system mm -hmm. God created. So he created a system to allow us to create wealth. So a farmer, but, but it's work, right? You gotta clear the field. You gotta plant the seeds. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta water it and take care of it. Now the rain, the rain comes and waters it, but then you gotta harvest it. So it's a ton of work, but it's also a miracle. Every every crop of wheat is a miracle, right? Mm -hmm. So what do you think about that? Well, I'll ask you a question. Uh, if that was God's original design, and I would assume you would agree that um, there should be many more Christians creating wealth, why aren't they? Yeah, they should be. I mean, so what's the problem? I, I, and, and, and I'm actually, you know, great great question. It leads me into, you know, the next point here. Okay. Um, and so we have this idea, there's this, God created the system to produce, to allow us to create wealth, but what happens is Christians, a lot of times, we just want the manna, mm -hmm. right? We just want the manna, <laughs> <laughs> you know, we just, like, God, why aren't you helping me, you know? Why aren't you, why didn't you do that for me, you know? And we think, you know, we think God is just this, merciful grandma you know that wants to you know take care of you like that and, and and he's not he's not he wants you to become a builder and a wealth creator right. so it, it's interesting this system he want he, he wants us to win with this system so we have this paradigm that supernatural miracles are superior we have this so if if, if, for example, if you prayed and you didn't do anything and the crop of wheat came up that year, that would be a miracle and God would really get glory. Mm -hmm. But if you, if, you, if you don't, if you plant the, the wheat, then God does not get glory. Okay, but I want to challenge this example. Um, so my... Uh, my my wife runs the Daniel Academy School, and this this last week they took the kids to IMAX Theater at um, Science uh, Union City, uh, whether the Union Station, sorry, and they watched this IMAX Theater video about engineering and about people that are creating creative solutions to, to problems, and they were showing how these engineers designed a bridge, 
They would go across a gorge. They would actually connect the different parts of the town, and the children could go to school. They could, they could visit relatives. And literally, people had died every year, cross, trying to cross this, and they built a bridge. Well, and it's so interesting because we had them write an article or write a, um, a report, and the students, one of the students came back and said, "Well, that's, that's not a Christian movie. That it's, it's humanism." when people are doing doing good, you know, and it's not giving glory to God. Mm. And I'm like, oh, okay, well, so what if, if you had prayed for, if somebody prayed for a bridge, and a bridge appeared the next day, God would get glory. Mm-hmm. Right. But what if you prayed for a bridge, and then somebody came and built a bridge? Does then God get glory? Right. Yes. But one step further, what if you pray for a bridge, or what if you just see a need for a bridge, mm-hmm. you ask God to help you, and you go build a bridge? Does God get glory? Sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And here's Matthew 5.16. He said, you're the light of the world. Let your light shine before men. Let them see your good deeds. So light equals good deeds. Light is good deeds. Mm-hmm and glorify your Father in heaven. So literally, it's our good deeds that bring glory to God in heaven. So I just, I want to challenge this idea that, that supernatural miracles are superior to what I call providential miracles. And providential miracles are the, the idea that you can plant a seed and it can grow. That you can go build something, you can go create something. So... Explain that again, the difference between providential and supernatural miracles. Okay, so providential miracles are miracles uh, that, are, that don't defy the natural order. Okay. So you sit on the plane next to the right person. You plant a, a, you plant a seed and a crop of wheat actually grows. Um, you, 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 you follow me, they are just the normal everyday miracles that don't defy the system, they don't defy the natural order. Supernatural miracles are miracles that defy the natural order. And I contend that God never intended man to live on supernatural miracles. Never intended it. Right. right? In the garden, he expected him to work the garden, eat the fruit of the garden. Mm-hmm. So the system, God designed the system, and guess what? He likes the system. Mm-hmm. He designed it. He thinks it's perfect, and he thinks it's beautiful, and he thinks it brings the best out of us called work. <laughs> right? He, he loves when people work. Right? Yes? Yes. I agree. <laughs> okay. One of the first things he did. Yeah. So, and then the final part of this verse, Deuteronomy 8.18, he, he, he says, he says uh, that, I'm, that God may establish the covenant which he gave to your forefathers. He's giving us the power to create wealth. Mm-hmm. That he would establish the covenant. Guys, he wants to establish the covenant. What does that mean? The covenant, think about this. This is the covenant he made with Moses, the covenant he made with, with, with uh, Moses, that God would have a people in the earth, right? So he wants to establish the covenant. It needs, it needs wealth. It needs leadership for the covenant to be established. And the Jews are a perfect example of this. And I've actually done a little bit of research on the Jews, you know. 0.2% of the global population, 22% of the Nobel Prize winners, the Jews, 22. 60% of, of, of Hollywood t- 
top Hollywood positions. 40% of the best partners in New York and DC law firms, Jews. Yeah. And and they're the wealthy, they're the wealthiest people. And so he's given he has established the covenant, even with the Jews. But this is this is our inheritance, my friends. Mm -hmm. All right? Those are our promises. Somebody say yes. 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 Those are our promises. Those are your promises. He's giving you the power to create with your own hands and your own effort and your own initiative. He will bless it. But he wants you to win. He wants you to get wealthy. He wants you to get influential in order for the covenant to be established in the earth in this age. Right? You know, Christians, we're too much next age. I mean, I believe in the next age, right? But we also have a lot of temporal promises. We do. So we need to fight for our temporal promises as equally as we fight for our eternal promises. They're not greater, but they're not lesser. So he's given us the power to create wealth. Amen? Amen. So JC, give us, wrap this up, man. What do you think? Well, it goes back to Genesis 1, 129, where he says to be fruitful and multiply. Take the That's right. Those words. Those words in the in the Hebrew are just pregnant with um, with with um, potential, pregnant with going out there and truly, you know, taking dominion over the earth. Basically, extending God's kingdom to the four corners through our God-given creativity and all the other resources yeah. that He's given us. So it's back to the original mandate, which goes all the way back to Genesis. Yeah. yeah. And, and and guys, we we you know we're looking to God sometimes for something he doesn't want to give us in that way. Right. He wants us to do it ourselves. And this is the difference between Father God and Mother God. You know? <laughs> I, I, I love the nurturing side of heaven. I, I, I do. I do. But, but Father is a launcher. Mm -hmm. Father wants his kids to learn to be mighty. To learn to win, to to learn to take a conflict and beat it, right? To overcome. How many times in Scripture you read that word overcome? That's what Father wants. So He wants you to clear the land. He wants you to plant the seeds. He wants you to struggle because it's the struggle that makes us mighty. You know. You know, years ago, we, we, we learned, I mean, just to your point, that when you take a couple, a man and a wife, it's, this, I'm generalizing now, it's the woman who nurtures their children. Right. It's the father that releases the dream. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. And so, you know, and God is both. He is, he's got, he both, is both. He got both sides. He so I, both. I don't want to minimize that, but, no. but we, we need to understand he is equally a launcher, equally a launcher. You know, so just comments, comments as we... Uh, you know, wrap this up. Yeah, I'll just repeat the question: how, how do we help people that have this idea of basically wanting to live off the manna? You know, JC, what do you think? How do we help them? By experiencing more of the providential miracles of God. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I, I think, you know, honestly, I think a lot of times people that are waiting for the miracles, God, God is going to help them get out of that mode by not giving them the miracle. And so, you know, you end up having to go find a job because it's not working. So I think Papa has a good plan. It's not an easy plan. Mm -hmm. You know, one way or another, he's gonna make us kings and queens. 
to dissolve. And uh, hopefully, willingly, you know. I mean, he so wants us to win. He so wants us to be light in the planet. He so wants to be to be embedded in the system and buying into the system, right? Somebody else. Yeah, how much does wisdom play? Yeah, definitely. How much does wisdom play in the system? You want a miracle, go put a seed in the ground. Well, that's, that's right, and I think that's where God leads people, right? Is initially, I mean, the, the church is, you know, we're, we're very miracle-focused, and... Uh, I don't, I don't think that's healthy. I don't think that's really right. I think God does miracles. I don't want to minimize that he does those miracles. And sometimes you just need a miracle, right? Mm-hmm. Sometimes, mm-hmm. you know, when we do everything we've done, then we need a miracle. But I think when we have left something else on the table that we need to do, mm-hmm. I think maybe it's our responsibility, you know, to go do our part, right? Great, great comment. I mean, you know, I heard many years ago that the answer to every problem is a person. So usually that miracle mm-hmm. is a person. So whether you're looking for funding and you need favor from a banker or uh, an IC, mm-hmm. right, or somebody else, but the answer is God's, God putting on someone's heart to become part of the process for a mutual solution. Yeah, that's excellent. You know, wow. I mean, all my years as a business lawyer, I'm still waiting for the money to fall through the ceiling. It just hasn't happened. It hasn't? <laughs> no, I have some clients who think it's yeah. going to, and, yeah. but no, it hasn't. <laughs> Awesome. Yeah. So the so the question is, what about the scriptures that say the the wealthy just find comfort in their wealth? And uh, you know, there's there's certainly a plenty of cautions in scripture about um, about wealth, but that's not reason for us to stop, you know, wanting to be successful. Because I mean, would you, you don't you think Christians would make better wealthy people than non-Christians? You know, and the, Jesus talked quite a bit about money, and and he said we need to be generous and be benevolent. Yeah, he, a tremendous amount, and a lot of it was about benevolence. So a poor person never has a chance to be benevolent. You know, so the, you know, it, it is a it is I believe a great thing to acquire wealth, create wealth, and I think it's a great thing to be, to give, and I think that's one of the tests of wealth, but let's, let's do that test, right? Yeah. Let's have the test of influence, but use that influence to glorify God, right? Again, that makes us, you know, makes us, um, you know, better, better, better kingdom people, right? I mean, context is really important, so what is the, you know, he confronts the rich one, he says, what, the ruler says, what must I do to inherit the kingdom of God? And Jesus says four or five things. And he says, I've done all of this. Then in the last instance, because he was very wealthy, he says, go and sell everything and give it to the poor. What he was doing... And then come follow me. Right, and come follow... Well, he's testing his heart. Mm -hmm. You know, he was testing his loyalty to see if there was any competition with him. Mm -hmm. But, you know, he didn't have that conversation with everybody. Mm -hmm. He knew what was in that person's heart. It was a very specific conversation in a specific time, in a specific context. You can't extrapolate. Yeah, that's that's true, and I think in that particular case, my personal opinion mm-hmm. is he was inviting him to be one of the twelve. Oh, see, I hadn't thought of that. Because that's what he, when, every time he said, "Come follow me," mm-hmm. it's exactly what he said mm-hmm. to the twelve, and they they had a choice. So there was a you know, but in that case, he couldn't. He had to have left everything to to basically be part of Jesus' posse, right? You know, and uh, so he had to he had to lay it down, and he chose not. How sad is that? And that's why Jesus was sad because Jesus liked the guy. And he said, man, I want you to do this with me. Mm-hmm. And this is, it's going to work. It's going to be good. Mm-hmm. You know, so. Great, great comments. All right, we're going to wrap it up.
And so for this week's podcast, we'll see you next time. God bless.